Standing for the reading of God's word this morning, would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number 30. I'd like to read the last 10 verses of the chapter, beginning in verse number 11. Allow me to read verse number 11. I will read the succeeding odd numbered verses through verse 19. Would you please join me in reading verse number 12, along with the succeeding even numbered verses? Through verse number 20. Once again, that is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 20, and reading responsively. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us? that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea, that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thine heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, and death and evil in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, I denounce unto you this day, that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whither thou goest over Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you would take your eternal word, Speak to us in the minutes that we have around thy word this morning on this first day of this week. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we pray for the little children. Lord, we pray for each person within the sound of this voice. Have your will and way. May no one leave today without sins forgiven in a home in heaven. And we pray these things and ask these things in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, for the record, before we uh, officially begin with the message, as I call it here, uh, this is only the second time, most of you know I keep a logbook, I keep a diary, I've done it for 34 years now, working on 34 years, and uh, I write down every single service or message that I've ever preached. This is only the second message in 34 years, I don't know if it's to my, my uh, accolade or to my shame, probably to the latter, uh, I've ever preached on a, uh, a whole message on being pro-life. But we want to celebrate uh, life this morning in a great way. And uh, some people say, oh, this is going to be a negative message because you're listening to an anti-abortionist. 
but it's a really a positive message, as I trust you'll find out. But we asked a question this morning, before we begin to get into this way of introduction, uh, not so, the theme here, obviously, it's on the back of your bulletin here in a minute, but when does life begin? Well, life begins at conception. Human life begins. The fetus is a new being entirely separate from its mother and father because it has a different chromosomal makeup. When does life begin? At conception, the fetus is alive because it has the capacity to replace its own dying cells. It's a separate entity, a separate being. When does life begin? The fetus is just as much alive and human, quote unquote, before birth as it is after birth. It is not a different life. The human heart be begins at 18 days from conception. The activity can be recorded on the electrocephalomegogram. I think I said that right. Don't you nurses know better? The body of the body of the child belongs to the child, just as the body of a mother belongs to the mother. The mother is not aborting a part of her anatomy. She is aborting that which two people placed in her. You see, it was a choice when two people got together for a reproductive right. And uh, as one honest abortionist practitioner states, we all know it's a child. We know what we are doing. Bible tells us so. Science tells us so. Biology tells us so. We're not ignorant of what we're doing. And we've been doing it for since in mass proportion since 1973, as most of you know. But I want to give you this morning, in the way of introduction, the way of uh, the body of the message, and I'm going to try to be somewhat brief this morning. And uh, I was thinking about having the kids in, but there's some things that I might want to say that I would rather have not the kids in the room with us. And so we celebrate life this morning. But I want to give you 10 things Christians can do to celebrate life. First of all, recognize where life began. Recognize where it begins at. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 makes that very clear. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female. That answers a gender question, doesn't it? Created he, them. Life begins with God. It begins in the creation. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, Genesis 2, 7 says, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Man is distinctly different from all other creations. He's, what is man? The Bible says that thou art mindful of him, but we are the, the, we're created a little bit lower than the angels, the Bible says. And we are, but we are the great crowning creation of the great, great designer God. We are created and we have therefore by God, we are created with a soul consciousness, which includes the God consciousness. I believe that every single atheist is an atheist that made themselves, said, as Psalm 14, 2 says, the fool have said in his heart, no God. There is no God. They convince themselves. They suppress the truth. They turn the truth of God and change the truth of God into a lie. You see, unlike animals, we have a soul consciousness. We have a self-consciousness. I notice that everybody is clothed this morning. You notice animals don't clothe themselves. We have a self-consciousness. We love ourselves. We're, no man ever hated himself. There's a self-consciousness, which is a God thing, a God, God consciousness. There's not only a, in this created being from God, there's a soul consciousness, a self-consciousness, but then there's a sin consciousness. 
the chapter deals with this subject here in Genesis, Deuteronomy chapter 30. The Bible says there's choices to be made. And the word is nigh unto thee, verse 14 says of our text. In thy mouth, even in thine heart. There's deep down in man's heart, whether they know the Bible, whether they don't know the Bible, whether they claim to be a Christian or whether they don't claim to be a Christian. There's a moral code that God has put in the heart of lives of every man. Now, when you violate soul consciousness and defy God and self-consciousness and sin consciousness, and you erase and you call evil good and good evil, when you begin to do that, you develop what's called a seared conscience. And you go to a point where you're past feeling, past understanding. And I think three times when legislators can applaud death, standing ovations for several minutes, that it indicates to me that maybe there's a seared consciousness going on. And so we see that that uh, we can celebrate life, though. We, 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 why do we celebrate life? Because we recognize where life began. It began with God, not with man, not with a woman, not with a man. But life is a distinct gift from God. But then secondly, we celebrate life because uh, how can we celebrate life? We can celebrate life by choosing life. Back to our text for a moment for the first and or the second and last time, I guess I should say. Notice what it says in verse 14. I already alluded to it. The word is nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth. Verse number 15. See, I have set before thee this day life and good. Some people make hell on earth. Some people make choose evil. Some people have a, a terrible life. But God says, I set before thee life and good. And here's the converse. And death and evil. I am come that they might have life, Jesus said, and have it more abundantly. But the, he said, the thief, Satan, comes but to kill to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am coming to them to have life, have it more abundantly. We go on to our text in chapter, again, chapter 20 of Deuteronomy. Look at the words that are recorded for all eternity, verse 19, our text verse. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, choice, blessing, and cursing, choice, Lord Jesus Christ, I can bless his name or I can choose to curse his name. Choice. Therefore, choose life that, thou, that, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God. It's a choice. That thou mayest obey his voice. That's a choice. That thou mayest cleave unto him. That's a choice. For he is thy life. That's a fact. The Bible says we are to choose life. I have several subpoints underneath that, but some choices are more magnanimous or some choices are more greater than other choices. The greatest choice you'll ever make in your eternity, your earthly existence, is the choice to either receive or reject Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can't be saved by your good works. You can't be saved by your confirmation, your church attendance. You're saved by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. He said, call on me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a great choice. The greatest choice you ever make is to receive Christ as Savior. There's a choice to preserve life. Some say there's a choice to, to give life. Life is from God. But some choices are more important than other choices. You may have hate in your heart towards someone. If you have hate in your heart, Jesus said you committed murder already in your heart. But let me tell you something. 
It would be better for you to have hate in your heart and not go through with the, the murder that's in your heart than to murder that person. It's a greater, greater, far more egregious sin to actually murder somebody than it is to think about murdering somebody. There's some politicians once in a while. I, no, never mind. I won't say that. I was away from the pulpit. That was Marty shot in the flesh. Choose life. That's how we celebrate life is by choosing life. We celebrate life by realizing that there's a soul consciousness, a self-consciousness, a sin consciousness, and if we violate those God-given consciences, it leads to a seared conscience. There's a choice of life, a choice to receive Christ, a choice to give life, a choice to, to, to the sanctity of life, to preserve life as long as possible. Thirdly, we celebrate life by commemorating, there it is, life's events. I quoted already Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Celebrate birth. Now, by the way, and just let me pick for just a moment here, not trying to hurt, and just trying to, a little sidebar. Some Christians don't believe in celebrating birthdays. Maybe you're one of them. That's fine. But it's a great opportunity to celebrate and commemorate somebody's life that they had a birthday. Anniversaries. Some anniversaries are bigger than other anniversaries. We've got some folks with 60-year anniversaries that are coming up or have just come up. That's a big event. We celebrate marriages. Marriages to be celebrated is from God. One man with one woman before eternity. We celebrate graduations, milestones. I was with a, someone on Friday doing my pastoral duty. They called me because they wanted me to arrange their, they're not dead yet, they were live. They want me to do their funeral. And we're going to have a memorial service, we call it. Some call it a funeral service. We call it a memorial service. And we'll remember them for their life and thank God for the life that they had. Incidentally, by the way, and this is just, I say this quickly in passing, but there, I'm having fewer and fewer funerals than ever before. Most every preacher is. Preachers and priests, for that matter. Nobody's having funerals anymore. Because we, we've cheapened life. No longer, you know, we're just going to be exterminated and then just, just be thrown away and not even service about it. We forget that life came from God. Life is precious. And we are to commemorate life's events. The beginning, the middle, the, the high, high points, the, and uh, even the low points, we can have a time of reflection and remembrance and remembering how good God has been to us. And so we have the commemoration of life, how we celebrate life. But then fourthly, pray life into situations. Pray life into situations. See, what do you mean by that, preacher? Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus in John chapter 11. He'd been dead four days, and the, his family and friends said, his body stinketh. Just quoting the Bible. Mummified. Jesus stood in front of his grave and said, that tomb. He said, I am the resurrection, the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus broke up that funeral service with the resurrection. You see, there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
John chapter 1, Jesus said, in him is, the Bible says, in, in Christ is life. He's the light of men. Peter and John stood at the temple beautiful in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 3 and verse 6 and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And to the lame man they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm telling you, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's life in the name of Jesus. It's a, it's a name that's above every name. It's a life that revives and gives life. When we pray for people, we pray for people at their bedside. And I was with my dad, of course, a couple of weeks ago again. And, and uh, he, when we arrived at 4 o'clock in the morning, my sister and I, and went in the bedroom, he was pretty, looking pretty close to eternity. And he seemed to rebound within a few hours Later on that morning, in a couple, three days that we were there, he seemed to rebound tremendously in the time that we were there. And then I read in my Bible about the next day in Genesis 45 that Jacob, his soul, that for 20 years he thought his, his son Joseph had died. And when he found out that Joseph was alive, his, the Bible says of Jacob that his spirit revived in him. And there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the hope of the resurrection. A merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. There's a hope and a healing in the name of Jesus. And we pray in Jesus. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, Because it's the name that heals. It's the name that gives life. Pray life into situations. So we celebrate life by praying and celebrating life. And by praying and praising him for it. Then Ecclesiastes 11.5. The, the, the man under the sun, as Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes, is known. He said, As thou knowest not what, the, what, what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. I mean, the, respect the mysteries of life. Respect the mysteries of life. You know, it happens hundreds of thousands of times a day where we have the birth of a newborn babe. We don't think of it as a miracle any longer. How many in this room can hold your breath though for three minutes, raise your hand? I didn't think so. Anybody for two minutes, go ahead, be bold. Anybody for a minute? Yeah, okay, maybe, maybe. I used to be able to do it like a minute and one second, and oh, you know how it is. Now I think I can do it for about 30 seconds. Say, preacher, what are you talking about? What? Spirit of life, you've got to have oxygen, you've got to have, you can't live in water. But a baby is born in a sack of water for nine months. You think of the gift of the, the miracle of the first birth. It's a gift of God. It's mysterious, how can that be? And yet an even more mysterious birth is the second birth. Born of the Spirit, by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. First life gives physical birth, second life gives spiritual birth. Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The mysteries of life. 33 and a half years ago now. I went to the operating room at. Uh, where was there? Oh, the first one was in Danbury. All our kids were born in different places. One in Danbury, one in Charlotte, and one in Bristol. And many of you have heard the story. Kristen, I think, is downstairs with the kids. She can't hear this. But Kristen, our firstborn, she was born at six months. Three pounds, three ounces. Uh, Danbury in the hospital there for 56 days. I didn't go to one Lamaze class. I didn't go to one child birthing class, but we were scheduled to go. I figured I had plenty of time. I had no idea that we were going to have a three pound baby 
that night that we went in, and early that morning when Kristen was born. But I was behind the curtain, pardon the graphics, but I, Sonny had to go C-section. And they held up that baby, that three-pound red, beet-red baby, and she gave one cry, and she cried out loud. And I, I'm a Baptist, I'm not Pentecostal, I'm charismatic, but for that moment I became Pentecostal and charismatic. Because I, I had a vision from God. I had a direct, I mean, in my mind, as clear as could be, I'm, I'm not even joking. I said, there is a God in heaven. Amen. I saw that baby. I said, wow. I'm no biologist, I'm no doctor, I'm no medical person. That's amazing. Only God could do that. You see, how can anyone deny the creator and the mystery of life? Evolutionists are liars to themselves. They, the chief liars, they lie to the worst person you lie to is yourself. And lie and say we came from a big bang instead of a big God. Man can go to the moon. Man's pretty smart. Man went to the moon despite what a warrior might say. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. That's okay. Man can go to the moon. Man will someday probably go to Mars. Man can create artificial intelligence. One of my kids have Alexa in their house, a new family member. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You're walking through the house, say, hey, Alexa, what's the temperature? Alexa, the temperature is 22 degrees. Hey, Alexa, sing this song, play this song. She starts playing. I'm not joking. Artificial intelligence. Man's pretty smart. But man will never create life. It's a God thing. And so we respect the mysteries of life. A sixth way that we can celebrate life is by appreciating life's priceless value. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 6.20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see ABC underneath that. God brought us. He brought us into the world. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 that we brought nothing into the world and certain we carry nothing out. But the soul is forever. He brought us into the world. He bought us. He brought us. But he also bought us with a great price, the Bible says, with his precious blood. By the way, blood is precious. Blood is particular. Leviticus says the life of the flesh is in the blood. My dad, again, for the illustration, he's been losing blood. He needs to have some blood transfusions. He's already had some. He needs to have, have some more blood transfusions. Now, I don't know if my dad is type A blood. He might be type A blood, but he doesn't need apes blood. I don't know if my dad is type B blood, but he doesn't need baboon's blood. He can't have that. He might be type O blood, but he can't have a orangutan's blood. No, blood is special. You see, God is a giver of life and human blood. And when the human life is violently shed, that blood cries, that blood lives. That blood cries from the ground all the way to heaven. You say, that's a pretty audacious statement. Where do you get that from the Bible? Well, I'm glad you asked. Genesis 4.10, write it down. Jesus said, or Jehovah God said, when Cain slew his brother Abel, 
He said to him, he spoke from heaven, all the way from heaven. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good, the Bible says. And he, that's Jehovah God, said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Man can create a lot of things again, but they can't create, man cannot create blood. Blood's from God. Blood's alive. Now, this, I'm going to run this sidebar real fast here. This might go over some of your heads. That's okay. You ask me after the service another time when I have about an hour. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he shed his blood. Innocent blood was shed that day. This is guilty blood here. He shed his blood as our Paschal, we say a Passover lamb. John the Baptist saw in forerunner to the, what would take place in heaven. He said, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Christ shed his blood for our sins. He's our Passover lamb. The Lamb of God. But then, this is, this is a mystery of mysteries. But then he is our great high priest. And I believe that he, and I have many Bible verses to back up this belief. Like the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament tabernacle, uh, Israelites in the wilderness. It wasn't enough that the, lamb, the, the blood of the Lamb had to be shed. The blood had to be applied. It had to be applied on the altar, the mercy seat. Is a figure of a mercy seat in heaven. It's all found in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. And that blood was, he entered into the Holy of Holies once for all, not in, every year on a day of atonement or a day of atonement, but once for all he entered in and he presented his blood on the altar. You heard about bleeding now, by the way? When that blood quits, that miraculous part of that blood thing, when a kid quits, this is Marty Shot terminology. I don't know what the medical terminology is. When it quits moving, you're dead. When the blood dies, you're dead. Well, our blood is corruptible. The soul that sinneth it shall die. But Jesus' blood, the songwriter William Cupper had it right. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. You call me sensational, but I think there's a blood, the blood, living blood of Jesus Christ in heaven. And I think we'll be living forever in heaven, forever and ever, ever, as long as that blood lives forever. And I want you to know it lives forever because it's God's blood. You see, appreciate life's priceless value. That's why we celebrate life. It's precious. More precious than anything else in all eternity. More precious than things. More precious than, than any activity. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Well, a seventh way that we can celebrate life is to, Proverbs 18, 21 says it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Speak up for life. I saw the events on Thursday. I planned on, we were going to preach this message on babies last Sunday morning, but you saw what happened last Sunday. And I said, oh, well, I'll just go on to the next message in Timothy and then the events happened on Tuesday in New York and Albany. I said, wait a minute. No, no, I know it's not Right to Life weekend, but I said, I want to preach on the sanctity and celebration of life. Somebody needs to speak up. And I saw the, I watched a number of television spots and videos on YouTube and so forth. Maybe some of you did as well. And I saw the anti-abortion crowd, that's what they're called, Many Christians say, you know, abortion is murder. I'm not, 
I may agree with that, and I do agree with that, but I'm not sure if they're serving their purpose. There's better, not a better way they can serve the purpose. You see, we are not in the coercion business. Uh, let me give you an example. We're not in the coercion business, but we're in the compelling business. Let me try to compel you right now. I really, I just want to invite you to church next Sunday. If you'd come to church next Sunday, now, now, now you're on the spot. I was going to say, say an amen. But would you come to church next Sunday? Some of you might do that. I am asking you. I'm compelling you. Provoking you to love and to good works. Now I could compel you or I could try some coercion. You're coming to church next Sunday. Now that would work with a lot of you, wouldn't it? Some of you are just like me. He tells me to do do. He tells me I'm, I have to do it. I'm not going to do it. The rebel part of me, the rebel part of you. You see, Christians, we're not in the coercion business. We're in the compelling business. We're in the persuading business. See, the New York General Assembly passed a number of laws. By the way, this past week, so many you can't keep up with them. But on Thursday or Friday, they passed a conversion therapy law for the LGBT gender teens and children against conversion, outlawing conversion therapy translation. You say, what is that? That means that if a boy comes into a doctor's office and says, I think I'm a girl, the doctor cannot try to talk him out of it. That means that if we go into the high school counseling office or the school office and say, hey, I need to go into the girls' bathroom, I'm a boy, but I need to go into the girls' because I'm a girl, you can't talk him out of it. It's against law, and I'm going to tell you something. This is the hardest part of the message as far as I'm concerned. The last place, last bastion of freedom, something called the First Amendment in our Constitution, is found in churches and gospel preaching pulpits around America, and they're coming after us next. They've already come after them in California. There's, New York has tried to follow with their vague law. We need to stand up and say what's truth, whether it's popular or not popular. You see, we're in the compelling business, the reasoning business. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red, red, red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We're in the reasoning business. The Holy Spirit is in the convicting business. We don't convict. We just reveal the word of God that's nigh in our heart, that's in our lips. We give the word of God. Oh, you're preaching at me. We're proclaiming what the Lord Jehovah God says, what the word of God says. And it's good for you. It gives life. It's, it's, it's good as opposed to evil. It's life as opposed to death. It's heaven as opposed to hell. It's right as opposed to wrong. You see, we need to speak up for life, eighthly, quickly. We celebrate life by protecting those who are weak in life. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-four: For he hath not despised nor abhorred the, afflicted, the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. We are to protect those that are weak in life. The, uh, the lame argument that, well, fetus isn't vital. I got news for you. A one-year-old isn't vital. A two-year-old isn't vital. My grandkids are out of the room. We've got two and three-year-olds. Still go to bed with diapers on. You know what I'm saying? They don't know how to clean themselves. Pardon me for being blunt. 
They don't know how to control themselves. Are they less viable? Are they less a human? The argument holds no water whatsoever. No, we need to protect those that cannot protect themselves. Then number nine, how do we celebrate life? We celebrate life by offering life by giving the good news. The Eon the evangelical, the evangelist, the good news that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. Now it's more than believing up here because the devils believe also and tremble. But it's receiving them down here. For whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I've said it so many times. I said it again for the 300th time. Salvation is so simple, it's hard. You mean all you got to do is recall, call upon Jesus Christ to save you? That's what I did when I was a child. I didn't know he was born of a virgin. I didn't know what a virgin was. I didn't know he was God. I didn't know about the triune God. There were a lot of things I didn't know. All I knew was God had a son. His name was Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. Didn't understand half of it, not in one tenth of it. Still to this day, I don't understand a lot. But he died on the cross and he rose again. How do you know? By faith. I call upon him to save me. He became his child. The good news the good news that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures was buried and he rose again the third day. That's good news. That's why we call it the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. But we celebrate life by, lastly, don't tune me out. Hang on, we're almost done. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We celebrate life by living a forgiving life. I found out this morning, early this morning, Allison does her Facebook webpage and she texted Caleb, and we lost two, it's not on the screen right now, but we lost two followers on our Facebook page. We don't know really why we lost them, but we posted on our Facebook page just a couple days ago the picture of the Sanctity of Life Sunday that we were having. Immediately we lost two followers. Some people think that Christians are all about coercing, all about making, imposing our values on other people. No, we're just trying to simply say, in love, life is good. Life is of God. Life is something to be celebrated, not destroyed. You see, man can take life. It's called suicide. It's called homicide. Only God can give life. And we had to be forgiving. I know when I preach this the second time in 34 years, it's all been. Well, I've mentioned probably hundreds of times, but the whole message, the only second one in my logbook. I've ever preached. First time was 14 years ago. In fact, it was over the Terry Schiavo incident. Remember that? Oh, never, mind. never mind. Another day, another story. God gives life, and we are to be forgiving. I'm not naive. I'm sure within the sound of my voice, there are probably more than several of you, ladies and men, that have either personally gone through an abortion or maybe suggested or maybe even asked for an abortion to be performed via, if you're a man especially, maybe another lady to a lady. 
There is forgiveness, of course. And I, my, my estimation is for anybody that's had an abortion in this room, we've already asked the Lord many years ago to make, a long time ago to forgive you. But I want you to know there are really only, and I have to be careful, I don't know how to end this message. I had this problem in 815 service, and I'm going to have the same problem right now. But what I mean by that, I don't know how to cloak this in the right verbiage, but here, I'm going to try. There's really two ways to go to heaven, according to the word of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. I can safely say that everybody within the sound of this voice, if you're going to go to heaven, you've got to, be going, you've got to go by the new birth, the second birth. You've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. You've got to receive, call upon Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. That's your only way to heaven. That's all the way to heaven. And it's all-inclusive, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. No rich or poor, bond or free, man or woman, boy or girl, doesn't matter. He's an equal opportunity God. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are only two ways to go to heaven. We always say just one way, you've got to be saved. But if we return there and just jot it down, trust me, and don't, don't trust me, find it yourself. Matthew 18, the child sermon text, it's called. Or oh, read that about offending one of these little children, what Jesus said about it. You think I've been harsh today? I don't think so. But you think Jesus was a hellfire and brimstone preacher, or rather he was a, didn't have love? You need to read your Bible, what he said about the little children, especially in Matthew 18. But he said in verse number 10, For their angels do always behold the face of the little ones. Follow me, hang with me a little bit longer, almost done. Now, I know I'm touching on territory or belief systems that millions of Americans have. You know, some people think that original sin is washed away when you get sprinkled in the church. Or if you're Eastern Orthodox, you get immersed as a baby. That somehow sins are rectified and taken care of at, at birth. And only children, and then go into what's called Reformed theology or Covenant theology. There are some that say, well, if, they're, if a child dies and they're of the Covenant family, they're safe in the fold. Pity those Muslim children that die at birth or die at young. Pity those Buddhists. They're all very different opinions on what about children when they die. Well, the Bible is really clear. I believe one, he says, one of these little ones, any one of them, if they die, their angels do always behold the face of them. You either got to be saved to go to heaven or you got to be safe. Now, here's the part I don't know how to wind, wind this up here, but I saw the, it just infuriated me when I first saw the standing ovation in the state legislature. I wanted to show that video, but I could only find a seven-second clip. I couldn't find the, the, the long clip that I saw on television, on the news. Three times standing ovation. Three times they're cheering death. I said, how can that be? How could everybody be celebrating this? And yet this is where we live at now. But here's the part that, again, I don't know how to I'll say it last time, but the best I can say it. You might not understand this, but all those folks who are happy for abortions, They don't even want to believe in God, most of them. If you're the governor, you can say, God bless. 
they have a different God than the God of the Bible. But when they stand in applause, even in their sycophant, infanticide mindset of destroying lives, God, let me say it this way, God never loses on any corner. There'll be more people in heaven than there will be in hell. You say, wait a minute, preacher, what about Matthew 7? Wide is the gate and broad is the way and many of the beauty they're going there at. They tell us, statistically speaking, that only 17% of all humankind ever reached to, reach to the age of accountability. Think of the billions and billions of babies that have been aborted and all been killed by Moloch. And Jeremiah says that God never entered into God's mind. Infanticide. Think of all those millions of babies. I believe they're going to be in heaven. And I don't know if it's going to work this way, but I think when we get to heaven, we'll get our, each other's testimony. How did you get here? Well, I got here the same way you got here, by the blood of Jesus Christ. I was saved. Jesus saved me by his glorious grace. I called upon Christ to save me. And then others will say, well, I got here. I was safe in the arms of Jesus. I never got to live life outside of the womb. I only lived a day or two, like the several babies that I've buried in a day or two of existence. Life is to be celebrated. And God, every one of those babies that are aborted, I believe are going to be in heaven for all eternity. God wins on every corner. And so I'm not suggesting that it's okay. I'm just simply saying God still wins when everything is said and done. Because he said, I, I've come to them, I have life and heaven more abundantly. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, uh, our hearts in one way should be very grieved this morning. Lord, there is a judgment as there was judgment with the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and Lord, with even the Israelites in the sacrificing of their children to Moloch and to Ashtaroth and to the goddesses and gods of, their, of the pagans. Lord, we're celebrating, or we're celebrating the sacrifice of the innocents. We're giving standing ovations for it. Lord, there's a judgment upon. You've chose, you said there's judgment for those that violate your laws. God, we're not the judge and we don't cry judgment on anyone. We pray, Lord, oh Lord, have mercy on us. Help us to be about your business. Or maybe there's someone here today who needs to make the greatest choice of all to receive Jesus Christ as Savior this morning. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would convict and only you can convict. Save those who need to be saved this morning. Well, thank you for it. I pray this with Jesus in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here this morning, if you've never received Jesus as Savior.